Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Marjorie June podcast. I'm really glad you're here. It's like having a little audience in my own living room. So thank you for joining me. You guys are so wonderfully made in God's image. If you only knew how he looked at you, how he views you, how he sees you, and how much love he has for you, all you would want to do is love him back. And loving him back looks like this. It looks like, man, Lord, I want to obey you. I want to do what you do. I want to see what you see. I want to grow closer to you. That's what you would want with all of your heart. Today, I'm going to talk about how we moved our whole family minus one child who is kind of out of the house to Africa. And this is a story of faith. It really was a story of faith and is a story of faith. And so my my encouragement to you is think of something in your life and in your heart that God has put there and there's there's just no way it could ever happen. Think of that kind of story and I want you to put yourself in my place and I want you to do what I did. It's it's going to be amazing the outcome. Let me tell you. It is. I was always interested in the missionary life growing up. I suppose it's because my aunt and uncle were missionaries in Rhodesia, Africa for 30 years, now present-day Zimbabwe. And we didn't get to see them very often. I didn't get to know them very well. But I remember one time they came to my elementary school with all of their African artifacts and songs. And they taught us songs. They let us touch the artifacts. And I was so proud that they were my aunt and uncle. And they told us about what it was like to be a missionary there. I still remember the song they taught. I memorized it. It's God is so good in one of the tribal languages there. And it goes like this. I'm pretty sure that's still very close to what it actually is. And I remember singing it for one of my cousins recently, and she said, that's pretty good. You, you got most of the words there. So um, we had missionary nights at the Nazarene church that I grew up in, and I loved to just sit and listen to the missionary stories. We would ask them questions, and, and they would respond. And it was just such a dream of mine to one day be a missionary. I had a really great youth group. We did a lot of ministry type things together, like choir tours in high school. And um, we did fun things too, like bike ride, bike trips, 200-mile bike trips. I went on about four of those. When I got to the Nazarene University in Point Loma, San Diego, I applied to go to a mission trip to Dominican Republic. It was the longest mission trip I had ever been on. I don't know if I'd really been on any mission trips before that, but it was a... Eight, ten weeks, two of them were like preparation, and then eight weeks in Dominican Republic, and it was pretty awesome. I loved my time there, and I got to see what real missionaries are like. They're they're just real people. They're just like me and you. They're just people living their lives in a different location, and just like we as Christians here want to reach out to people, love people along our pathway and um, go out of our way to love people. Sometimes that's what missionaries do. And of course, sometimes they have a focus. Um, Actually, they should have a focus 
on what they do so they're not trying to do everything. Um, just like as a business person, you know, a business person has a focus on what they do. They can't do everything. And so I got to know that missionaries are just real people living their lives in a different location, loving God, loving people. Um, once I found Skyline Wesleyan Church when I was in college, it was in Lemon Grove, California, just outside of San Diego. And thankfully, they had a bus that came to my school and would pick up students. I didn't have a car. And so I was delighted to get off of campus, let me tell you. And Skyline became my church. Little did I know that John Maxwell, the pastor of the church, was going to become very well known later on. But my main pastor was Tim Elmore. And they had a lot of mission trips to choose from every year. Every spring break, almost every spring break, I went to Mexico. And um, it was with um, Azusa University. We all camped in one area, all of these college-age students, and some of them I think were high school. And then we all had our own little village that we would minister at. And we would get the same village every year because it helped us form relationships. Oh, I have another good story to tell about that. I will in the future of how um, I met someone at my university who got saved and went on a mission trip with us. And it was his own village that we always focus on. It was amazing. I will tell you that story sometime. I hope to meet up with him again someday. So um, I went on different mission trips, like I went to England, where we did kind of nighttime ministry. We ministered to people out on the streets of London at night, so that are those are the prostitutes, the homeless, anyone walking around at night. And we went to Cabo San Lucas. My fiancé and I, at the time, now he's my husband, we led a team to Cabo San Lucas, and we did the foundations, we built the foundations of what is now a hospital or a clinic or something like that. Uh, when I started dating, I wanted a man who loved missions. Um, I wanted a lot of frivolous things that don't really matter. Like I had a lot of uh, things on my list that he'd have to look like tall and thin and blue eyes and blonde hair and, you know, stupid things like that because I cared about those things back then. And I even wanted his last name to start with a B because I liked my initials. Back then, there was a coffee called MJB. Those were my initials. And every time I saw my initials, I thought how special I was. <laughs> and it was just coffee. But I didn't want to change my initials. And I wanted him to want missions. Of course, he had to be a Christian. Um, and so when I met Glenn, he's tall. His hair was thinning, but it was blonde. Blue eyes, thin, and his last name started with a B, and he loved missions. That was not to say that our marriage was easy at all, but he is the one I married, and I'm very happy I married him. So when we got married, we told everybody in our little brochure that we gave out at our wedding that we were going to be on the mission field in six years. That was our plan. But of course, we had no idea how hard marriage would be. We had no idea that we would be struggling financially. We had no idea that we would have baby after baby. <laughs> so after having one baby in San Diego, um, the, the Lord ch totally changed my mind. A whole other story about him joining the military. So he joined the Army, and um, we moved to Texas. 
had another baby, moved to Germany, had two more babies, moved to Tennessee, had another baby. And I don't know if you counted up all those babies or not. I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to go back and listen. And then we moved to Colorado Springs, no more babies, to go to Bible school. And in order to graduate from Bible school, Karis Bible College, Andrew Womack, we had to go on a mission trip. Well, Glenn went to Russia first because one of us had to stay with the kids, so we went on separate trips. And he came back so on fire. It's like, you know, we're still called to the mission field. We're still supposed to go. We're not just senders. We're goers too. We're goers and we're senders. And he said, we're going to Russia. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 we're not. Because he showed me how small those little apartments were through his videos. And he showed me how cold it was. And all I could imagine is my husband's out there having fun doing ministry. And I'm at home with all the kids. And they're fighting. And I'm trying to homeschool them. That's all I could imagine. I'm like, nope, we are not going to Russia. (laughs) And then I made a trip. My trip was to Kenya, Africa. Oh, my goodness, I loved it. It was only 10 days, and the missionaries there asked if we were ready to go, and I was the only one that said, no, I am not ready to go. And while preaching there in one of the little village churches, I had met Sebastian and his wife. It was his church that I was preaching in, and a bond formed. And I just loved Sebastian and his wife and their eight girls. And uh, this has been a very long-term relationship that I'm sure you'll hear lots of stories about. But that is when it started. Um, When I came back, I said, I left my heart in Africa. And I don't know why I said Africa. That's a huge continent. But that's what I said. I left my heart in Africa. And um, I knew we were supposed to go there. And eventually Glenn knew it too. And one of our boys Nicholas had a dream because we were deciding, should we go to Kenya or should we go to Uganda? And he had a dream that, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to remember this full dream, but he saw the border between Kenya and Uganda, and he said we were on the Kenya side. And then we got an email from Sebastian, the ones I had just met, inviting us to move there and start a Bible school. So that was really what we were after, to go to Kenya and start a Bible school. Well, let me tell you, that actually never happened, physically anyway. We told our pastor, we were then attending Church for All Nations in Colorado Springs, and I was teaching at a charter school, and my husband was also working, and we told our pastor we would like to go to the mission field our church loves um, missions they love missionaries but they had never sent their own missionaries so it was a little bit out of the box so um, the pastor told us to look into youth with a mission because why reinvent the wheel so I looked into youth with a mission I emailed people in Africa and they were emailing me back and Glenn would not read the emails He would not read them. You know why? He was convinced that God wanted the church to send us, our church to send us. And so after a year of me emailing and receiving emails back and Glenn not reading the emails, I finally realized that Glenn was right, that the Lord wanted our church to send us. 
And so here is what, here's the secret that I want to get across to you. Because I knew that I knew we were supposed to go, and it was God's will for us to go, I started saying this. We are going to Africa. I don't know how, I don't know when, but we are going. Here's the deal with something that God has put in your heart that looks so impossible. You say it like you already have it. It's already yours. You feel it like you already have it and it's already yours. And you spend time in that feeling and you spend time seeing it as if it's done. And you spend time then walking around the house or going on a walk believing that it's done already. This is biblical and now science is backing it up. Science is proving that this is true. It's quite amazing. If you listen to any of Joe Dispenza's um, studies, they are finding this out to be true. In the Bible, God said it first. He's the one that put it into motion. That if you believe something and you feel as if it's already done, then it's, you're, you're actually changing who you are and how you think, and it's coming to you. It's quite amazing. Um, I will read the Bible verse in a moment that talks about that. Every year, I would just keep saying that, and every year, it looked further from the truth. It looked worse every year, but my husband went back to Kenya for a a visit in in, um, the next summer, and then he went back the next summer, and I was working at the charter school, and um, I emailed our pastor, and I said, by the way, Glenn's on another trip to Kenya. Well, this time he emailed me back and he said, when he gets back, let's have a little talk. So Glenn got back. We had a little talk with the pastor and he said, would you be interested? He said, this is not Africa, but you know, God took a lot of other people through different avenues to get to their goal. David was a shepherd before he became a king and he went through all these different people. He's a very good vision builder. And then he said, would you go to Guatemala? I know you want to go to Africa, but would you go to Guatemala? Would you pray about it? We looked at each other and we're like, we don't have to pray about it. The answer is yes. We knew in our hearts that this was the road God had us on. We were excited. And so we moved our whole family minus our oldest, Jake, who was about to graduate from high school. Do not ask us why we didn't wait three more months to watch him graduate, but we were just so excited, and he was living with, we were all living with Grandma and Grandpa in the basement anyway, so he just stayed there. We moved to Guatemala, and my husband, mostly my husband, because I was, I realized as a missionary that I was still a mom, and I'm still a wife, and I still have to make dinners, and teach my children to to cook, and teach my children to, with their studies, Um, And they'll tell you that I was not a homeschool teacher. I was the homeschool director. I made them school themselves. They didn't really like that very much. But if they only realized how much that they um, can research and study on their own now. (laughs) So we went to Guatemala. We worked with a wonderful organization run by the Tates. And they have an orphanage there about an hour from where we lived in the mountains. And the setup is each house has a mom and a dad, a married couple, and a few of their children, plus about 10 or 12 
other children who are considered orphans. But you know the word orphan doesn't mean really that they don't have a mom and dad. It just means there's no one to care for them. In Africa, it means the same thing. They're not really, if they say total orphan, that means there's no one to care for them. No one's alive. But if they're just an orphan, that does not mean that there's no parents alive. It just means there's no one to care for them. Sometimes it means that uh, the family won't care for them because they know you will care for them better than they will. So just to, just to let you know. Um, so we moved to Guatemala, and we, Glenn and I took Spanish class, and our kids were homeschooling, so they came to the school with us. I wish they could have taken it too, but it was just very expensive. For three months, and um, I could get around with the Spanish I had back then. That was in 2010. Now it's a lot worse. We made some really good friends there. Our kids actually hated it there until I found a church in Antigua, which is 20 minutes away from us. We were between Guatemala City and Antigua. And we found a church, had a youth group, and I made my children go. They didn't want to, but I made them go. And then the next Wednesday, I skipped a Wednesday because it was a lot of work to make them go. And then we went every other Wednesday for a little while till they said, Mom, come on, we're going to be late. And they wanted to go. And they ended up loving Guatemala, even though we homeschooled. We, me and another lady, Dale, started a homeschooling group. And she's like the expert homeschooler. She has a podcast now, which I'll find and link to this. But... Um, my kids, all the kids involved in the homeschooling co-op loved Thursdays, and they made their best friends there. And we even had music lessons, and we just had all kinds of fun activities for them. And the church allowed us to use our space for free. After 15 months, there was an opening in Africa. And when I say opening, that means there was a relationship that the Pastor Mark from Church for All Nations had that opened the door for us. We always only went places where we had relationship, which is, I think, really good, unless the Lord's telling you to go somewhere and you don't know anybody. But for the most part, there should be a relationship there already. And so we went back to Colorado Springs for eight months, and then we made our way to Uganda. Not the Kenya side, the Uganda side. It's about four hours away from Kenya by car. Um, and so we were there for five years, five and a half years. Um, and all of our kids during that time graduated from high school. So the second to the oldest graduated and she went back and worked that summer so she could get ready to go to college. And then every two years or so we had somebody graduate until we left. Five and a half years later, our last one graduated from high school at an international Christian school there in Kampala. So my main point here is if God has put something in your heart that looks absolutely so impossible, which is what this looked like to us. We were a big family. How do you get a big family overseas? How do you support a huge family? And we're not good at raising funds. We're not that kind of people that likes to go ask for money. Um, of course, our whole view of money has changed since then, and now we, we realize it's just a tool, and it's not something we love. And if we can share it, it's good. And if people want to share it with us, it's good. They become a part of the mission. 
So we understand that now. It, it was not really understood back then, and it was very difficult. But look what God did. Because I put aside the how, and because I put aside the when, and I, I didn't try to figure those things out, the fact that I knew we were going, even better would be to say, we are in Africa. We're in Africa, and we have made the best friends here, and we have shown the love of Jesus, and the Ugandans see Jesus through us, and they want to grow closer to him through us. I mean, that's even better to say. But all I knew to say back then, which still worked, was we are going to Africa. I don't know how. I don't know when, but we are going. Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark 11, 23 and 24, some of my favorite, favorite verses. And I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation because I really love the Passion Translation. It helps me to feel so close to the Lord. It's an amazing translation. Try it. It's so lovely. Jesus replied, let the faith of God be in you. Listen to the truth I speak to you. If someone says to this mountain with great faith and having no doubt, mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask for in prayer. Be convinced that you have received it and it will be yours. And then it talks about making sure you forgive people while you while you stand there praying and the Lord brings someone to your mind, make sure you forgive them because that could be a blockage. Praise the Lord, we got to Africa and I really believe it was our faith standing firm that got us there. Were there doubts that tried to come? Of course, there were doubts every day. Were there things that, that the pastor said that made us think it would never happen? Yes, there were and it just made it seem further further away but you know what God always has his way and this is a really a law that he has put into motion it is it works like a science and that is if you believe that you already have it and then along with believing is feeling it and you make that a part of who you are a part of your life you put time and effort into seeing it as done and feeling it done and the gratitude that goes along with that the gratitude to the Lord and the gratitude to the people that helped it to happen because they obeyed the Lord or maybe they didn't even know they were doing the Lord's bidding but you're still grateful that is how things get done and it's amazing so let me just pray over you Lord I thank you that whatever you've put in this person's heart listening to me right now even if it's a, a business that they're starting and they don't want to feel greedy, but they want it to work. They want abundance because you've promised us abundance. Father, I thank you that they just see themselves doing well in the business, but not because they've hurt people, but because they're helping people all along the way. Maybe it's indirectly or maybe it's directly, but they are helping people. And it's a good thing. So I thank you, Lord. They see themselves um, helping people. They see themselves um, grateful for all the, the wealth that has come their way. And they, they see that they are not greedy. They're very generous, and yet they're very wise. 
with their finances and they know that money is just a tool. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, may your day be wonderful. Thank you for spending time with me and I will see you next time. Goodbye.